such a privilege to share with you today. My, it's exciting to see all the children. We have a tremendous staff of people in our preschool and children's area, grade school area, and they just do a wonderful job, and all you volunteers help them week by week, and it's amazing what happened this week. And then we have, we've had some great youth camps. It's been a tremendous summer here at Community of Faith. And as I look mostly now from the outside looking in, it just thrills me to see that God is touching so many young people, so many young lives, and they're going to come to know the Lord if they haven't or if they already have grow to be like him. I want to talk to you today about the power of choice. And I want to use the story of two ancient kings of Judah to illustrate that power. Just pray with me for a second before we begin. Father, I don't know the needs of everyone here today. I know my needs, and I ask you to meet them according to your divine power. But I pray that each person here would just open their heart and be receptive to what you want to teach them in this time together. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Never underestimate, never underestimate, never underestimate the power of choice. Foolishly, we think we make choices, but let me tell you the truth. In reality, our choices make us or break us. You can look back over your life, short or long, and you can see the good choices and the bad choices and the consequences, and there are many. Some choices are huge. Some are small. Every day we make many small choices. But if we have made the big right choices, then the small choices usually fall into line. I think there are three big choices, major choices, to make in life. The first one is the choice of a master. Who's going to be your master? Who's going to be your Lord? Are you going to be uh, the master of your fate and the captain of your soul? Are you going to be the one in charge? If you are, you will make the choices. They will all be dependent on you. And if you make the choices, you can be sure there will be some bad ones. But if you and I yield our lives to the Lord God of heaven through his son, Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty of our sins on the cross, and we trust him and ask him to direct our lives, then he will guide us in making our choices. Now, we'll not always let him have his way, but if that's our serious goal, that's our purpose, that's our desire, he will do something special. I can look back over my life, and I can see bad choices and good choices. But I can see most of them have been good choices because back as a young boy, God spoke to my heart and called me to put my trust in him. And although I fought it for a while, I let go and surrendered and asked him to be my Lord and Savior, and he took over. And all my other choices of significance were made in the light of that choice. The second great choice is our mission in life. What's your purpose? What's your mission? As a believer, our mission is to please God, to glorify him, and to help other folks come into a relationship with him. And specifically, he will guide us in our mission to something special just for us in vocation and in life. And the third great decision of life and choice is our mate, the person 
we're going to spend our life with, the person we're going to commit ourselves to, the person before God we're going to build a family and build something that will make a lasting blessings in the lives of people around us. And uh, I can see in my own life how the second choices, the mission and the mate, came because I made the first big choice to put my faith in Christ. So as we look at these two kings today, think about those major choices and how you can do what God wants you to do with your life. Let me give you a little brief history lesson, really brief, but Solomon was the last great king of a united Israel. And he built the kingdom till it spread out all over that part of the world. But when he died, his son Rehoboam became king. And Rehoboam had harder taxes, more difficulties on the people than even his father Solomon. And the people rebelled, and the, and the whole kingdom split in two. And ten of the tribes... There were 12 tribes or states, and 10 of the tribes started a new nation, which they called by the old name Israel, and they put their headquarters in the city of Samaria. And two of the tribes, Judah and Benjamin, kept the old capital of Jerusalem, kept the old king Rehoboam, and started a new nation there. So there are now two nations. That's been going on for several hundred years, and kings have sat upon the thrones of each of these nations. Now... In the kingdom of Judah, there is a king who's on the throne whose name is Hezekiah. I want us to read about the godly king Hezekiah. If you have your Bible, you can look in 2 Kings 18.1. If you want to look on the screen or look in your sermon notes, you can do that. So follow along. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 25 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles. These are all idol worship things that were going on. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, And he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Right choices that Hezekiah made. He made a lot. When he took the throne from his father Ahaz, who died, and he became king at 25 years of age, the the country of Judah was in a mess. They had, through Ahaz, his father, they had set up idol worship all over the kingdom. They were worshiping all the gods of all the nations around them. And immediately, he began to go a different direction. You see, he made a choice. When Hezekiah became king, he said, I loved my father, but I don't believe what he did was right. I don't believe his way is the right way. I believe God is to be king and God is to be Lord. And so he rejected and removed. He repaired the temple and he rebuilt much of the city. And he was, he was able to touch hundreds of people. The whole nation turned back to God almost to, uh, to completeness. It was an amazing thing that happened. The Bible says he pleased God, even as David, the great king of the past, had pleased God. The Bible says of him, there was no one like him in Judah as king before him 
are after him. He was the godliest king Judah ever had. The Bible says he pleased God. And the Bible says the way he pleased God, he trusted God. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, that without faith, it's impossible. Without trust, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God unless you put your trust in him, unless you acknowledge him as your Savior and Lord, unless you allow him to take control of your life. See, faith is taking God at his word, enough to act on it, enough to give him your life, enough to trust him. But now these right decisions and these right choices were made in spite of his parents and in spite of his past. Some of you here today did not grow up in a Christian home. You did not have Bible reading in your home. You did not have prayer in your home. The only time the name of God was mentioned in your home was in a curse word. And so you grew up without that. I'm not saying your parents didn't love you. They may have loved you a lot. But there was not the God of of, of the Bible and the God of Jesus Christ in your home. And later on, you made a choice. You made a choice to say, I'm going to go a different direction in my life. I'm going to build my family on a different solid rock. I'm going to trust Christ as my Lord and Savior. And some of the greatest believers that I have ever known, some of the greatest believers of all time, did not have the joy of growing up in a wonderful, godly home. And like Hezekiah, they chose, they made a decisive, dynamic decision to trust Christ and to put their life in his hands and to follow him. King Ahaz led Israel away from God. King Hezekiah led Israel back, or led Judah back to God. I want to share with you a video right now of Jennifer, one of the ladies of our church, who had some experiences in her growing up that took her far from God and her family far from God, but she made choices to give her life later to Christ. So watch as Jennifer shares with us. So my story began when I uh, lived in Norchester, which is here in Houston when I was a young kid. Early on, um, my family actually attended church. We went to church on Sundays and we never really stayed at any one church for very long. We would go to the church, uh, we spend several weeks going to one and, and enjoyed it and started to get connected to people and uh, liked learning about God. And, and then we would change to another church. And I, at my young age, I learned that God is love. That was the one thing I understood. I didn't understand a whole lot more at that point, but that I understood. And um, so my family then, um, I was, let's see, I think I was about eight years old. Uh, ironically, my mom gave me my first Bible. I just locked in on Corinthians, and it was just this really bold moment in my life of just awareness that this is what I needed to do. I needed to, to figure out what love was and just keep striving to love. I didn't know this at the time, but looking back today, I believe God was using my mom uh, to give me that Bible because he knew what we were about to go through as a family in the coming years. And my parents, who had been involved in these churches before, became involved in a satanic cult. And life changed. Um, everything became very confusing and dark and I lost focus and lost direction. Then when I was a teenager, I started to make some bad choices because I found alcohol, and that was a really great way of uh, learning not to feel 
and trying to get away from the things I was thinking about and um, just trying to escape in any way I could. And then came the most just beautiful part of my life uh, that really set the course for everything that has happened since then. I was walking down the sidewalk one day and I was confused and overwhelmed and trying, I was kind of finally free of everything that had happened. And I was like, okay, God, you're gonna have to help me now because I don't know what to do next. I didn't know how to think straight. I didn't know how to do anything and I had no direction. God put love on my heart. He just said, love, love is the answer. And I went, and it was like I locked in again, like that original moment when I remembered God is love. It was there, it was again, and all of a sudden, all this chaos and just confusion in my mind just started to gain focus. It's why I'm, I have a wonderful life today, very different from what I grew up with and uh, what my family knows even today. It's, it's beautiful and it's filled with wonderful people that I love and who love me and, uh, and wonderful children and family that I adore and a new family that I've created and made here at Community of Faith. And I couldn't ask for more, honestly. Jennifer, of course, was forced to go with her family into that cult as a young girl, a satanic cult that worshiped the evil one, the devil. And she had to make a choice later on to move in a totally different direction. And she remembered that God was love. And God's spirit took that and used that in her heart and brought her to faith in Christ. And she's grown to be a strong believer in Jesus and now is one of our Christian counselors here at Community of Faith and is licensed to, to teach and share the word of God by the state as, a, as an outstanding counselor. And so that shows you what our past does not have to dictate our present and our future. And our parents, may go one direction, but if we choose to go God's direction and it's different from theirs, we have to make that choice. But I want you to see the ungodly king, Manasseh. Now, Manasseh was the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the greatest, godliest king Judah ever had. And when he died, his son took over. He was young. Look at 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for 55 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He rebuilt the pagan shrine his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He constructed altars for Baal and set up Asherah poles. He also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshiped them, the sun, moon, and stars. You can see the wrong decisions that he made. He took over as a young boy, but he had that background. He had had 12 years growing up in the godly home of his father, but he still determined and chose to make wrong choices. The result of his choices were he literally destroyed a whole nation. He was the worst king, the Bible says, that Judah ever had, but he was the longest reigning king that Judah ever had. He reigned for 55 long years. And in those 55 years, long years, he set up idols in the temple of God. He, he was so far in his false worship and commitment to idolatry that he took his own son, one of his own sons, and put him on the altar that was to Molech, the fire god, 
and burned him to death. He murdered many of the citizens of Jerusalem who opposed him and stood for right and stood for God. He was, a, he was a man with an evil heart going in evil direction. You see, what I'm saying is that wrong choices can be made in spite of our past and our parents and the Christian background we might have had growing up. You see, some of you here today may have recently come back to God even though you've been far away, but you, you grew up hearing the truth. You grew up knowing that Jesus was Lord and your parents lived it out. I'm not talking about parents who just came to church once in a while and who kind of waved their hand at God now and then. I'm talking about parents who read the Bible, who prayed, who loved God, who served God, who lived it out in their daily experience, in their business life, and in their practical life. And you saw that, but you turned from it. Maybe you've come back, maybe you haven't come back to that to the God of your fathers. This is a great day to do that. This is a great day to say, I will come back. And this is, the, this is what uh, Hezekiah did, but this is not what Manasseh did. He went the other direction, and he chose to reject all the influences on his life. Also, we learn from this that wrong choices have consequences. Listen to the scripture from the book of 2 Kings 21.9, but the people refused to listen, that is to God, and Manasseh led them to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people entered the land. So he led the people far from God. Then 2 Chronicles 33.1 says, or 10 says, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all his warnings. So the Lord sent commanders of the Assyrian armies, and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. There are always consequences to our choices. Here's a man who had made all these years, for 50-something years, the wrong choices, chose the wrong God, chose the wrong way to live, chose the wrong commitments, chose to be one who fulfilled the lust of his flesh and the lust of his desires. And now the Bible says our sins will find us out. The Bible says what we sow, we will reap. And if we reap to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. If we, reap to the, if we sow to the spirit, we will reap life eternal. But he sowed to the flesh. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is some kind of death, all kinds of death. And that's what happened. To Manasseh. Here's a man who had been king. He had had ultimate power over his subjects. He said, kill someone, they kill someone. He said, let him live, they let him live. Now, suddenly, he's been taken by the Assyrians, an evil people who have come into his country. They've captured him. They've taken him away from his home, away from his kingdom. They put a ring through his nose. They put chains on him, and they put him in prison. And there he's languishing. There he's experiencing all the death of sin, consequences to sin. And the whole nation was soon destroyed because of the way they went. I want you to notice one last truth. It's not too late. It's not too late to make the right choice. In Second Chronicles, which is another one of the history books of the Old Testament, talks also about this man Manasseh. And in verse 33 we read, But while in deep distress, while he was in prison, 
while he was in chains in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord was moved by his request. So he, heard, so he brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to this kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. To me, we have an amazing God of mercy, a God who cares about us in spite of us. And here is a man who had done about everything on the list of sins you could count. And yet God says, when he in his distress, he begins to pray, and in his distress, he begins to cry out for God. And in his distress, he asks God to forgive him. And the Bible says God is moved by his prayer, moved by his humility, moved by his desire and desperateness to get his life right. And God forgives him. And God pours out grace upon him. And not only forgives him, but God has him brought back. The Assyrians, not even knowing they're working the will of God, he's brought back to Jerusalem and given his kingdom again. And now he begins to get rid of the worship of idols. He begins to worship the true and living God. And the great statement of all statements is simply this. He finally realized that the Lord alone is God. You and I can be recipients of that mercy and that grace today. God reaches out to you and God reaches out to me today and God says, I want to give you mercy. I don't know where you've been. God does. I don't know what you've done. God does. But God says wherever you've been, whatever you've done, wherever your life is today, maybe you're one of those who grew up in a Christian home and got so far from the truth of it. Maybe you're one of those who didn't grow up in a Christian home and you saw all the examples of the other. God says, my mercy is there for you. I extend my love to you. I reach out to you. I want you to know that I'm not slack concerning my promises, but I want to forgive you and I want to give you what you need. There's a painting. Some people call it Christ at the door. It's a painting of Jesus Christ standing before a little humble home. And there are beautiful flowers around it. And there are vines growing atop the door where they've decorated it. And Jesus has his fist clenched in the painting. And he's knocking on the door. And as he knocks on the door, if you look closely, you'll be surprised there is no handle on the door. There is no knob on the door. There is no way to open the door from the outside, no latch that you can turn. For you see, the handle is on the inside. The doorknob is on the inside. It's a picture of Christ standing before your life and mine. And he says, I stand at the door of your life and I knock. And if anyone will open the door of their lives and let me in, I'll come in. But I won't force my in. I've given you the greatest power in the world, the power that is part of my power, which makes you made in my image, the power of choice. Right now, he has given to you the power of choice. What would your choice be? Bow your head with me for a moment. 